37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody? Happy solstice of the summer, and welcome to Pixelated Paranormal, episode 196. And on this sweltering episode with me, as always, is my best buddy, Preston. What's up, you cool ghost goblins? (laughs) There it is, bringing it back. Yeah. And uh, Stephen will be joining us again starting next episode. Uh, His work schedule is just way too demanding right now. And so uh, we will be adjusting our recording times beginning next episode. So Steve-O will be joining us again. But for now, Steve, be safe, drive careful, and keep on cruising down that paranormal highway. Because if anybody is doing it out of the three of us, it's got to be you. And, uh, you know, Death uh, knocked on Steve's uh, uh, door and said, let the bodies hit the floor. And Steve said, no, I'm a tired motherfucker. I don't want the bodies to hit the floor because I got to go pick them up. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Well, right now, you and I are kind of just, uh, we're cruising back into things, getting off of vacation mode, so we thought we'd put our feet up on the dashboard, put on the old autopilot, and just cruise into some uh, interesting goings-ons that uh, has been going on here in the U.S. and surrounding areas um, while we've been on vacation, so we're just going to get you guys caught up on some of the weird shit that's been hitting the news lately. And then uh, next episode, we'll have a really great abduction story for you. That way Steve can join us too. I kind of wanted to do an alien story, but I don't want to do that st- uh, that stuff without Steve. So, yeah. yeah. So again, fast and loose, probably not going to edit much of anything on this bad boy. Just slap it together, put a little provolone on it and uh, press it. Mm. So before we get started, uh, Presto, what's new with you, man? Sounds like you got some uh, exciting stuff going on in your neck of the woods. Yeah. So you know when I was uh, when I was a kid, I uh, third grade. You know they did that experiment, like kind of like science, biology. You know whatever they called it back in the day, where the <laughs> it was still science. Science, yeah. <laughs> And the, so the, the the teacher brought in like you know twelve chicken eggs and then put them in an incubator mm-hmm. and then every day like we'd have a, as a class like we'd flip them put them up to the light kind of you know check the status of the embryo and kind of the growth and everything and then when you know time came and uh, it's our job to help the chickens into the world and help them you know pull the egg apart and like oh my god look at little baby chickens. And, uh, so, you know, my teacher didn't think that all the way through and, uh, cause in Andover, Uh not everybody lived out in the country. And I was like the only kid that lived out in the country. So she was eyeballing me like, Hey, Hey, you want to take these baby chickens home? Don't you class? He's going to take the baby chicken home. And, uh, (laughs) I, uh, you know, I didn't check with dad. I was just like, fuck yeah, I'll take the fucking baby chickens home. No problem. And then ended up with uh, 12 baby chickens. So dad, hastily made a chicken coop and then one saturday morning i woke up and he was sitting on the edge of the bed um looking all sad and he's like son mm-hmm. and i'm like oh god what he scared me he's like i got some bad news i'm like oh shit did grandma die or something coyotes got your <laughs> oh, chick <laughs> the coyotes got your chickens and i feel really bad <laughs> i just i didn't really build uh, that uh, chicken coop up to snuff and it's my fault that your chickens are dead i'm like oh <laughs> 
Oh shit, Dad. Oh, no. oh yeah, that, that damn Dad. And he's like, well, that's okay. So here's the thing. I I went and called the Snyder's uh, Granary in Augusta, and I've got uh, 80 chickens on order, and uh, we're gonna go down to Builder Square real quick, and we're gonna pick up supplies, and I'm gonna build you a proper chicken coop. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. And so uh, we went and got the concrete, poured the foundation. Within a couple of days, we had this fancy chicken coop with a, you know, a sliding glass door, and it was like a, you know, like a, a, a big six foot building. And then, you know, I got like it's like a chicken condo. Oh yeah, it was a chicken condo. And then I got like you know sixty fucking chickens. So wait, what happened to the other twenty? Because a second ago was eighty. Oh, was it 80? 60, 80? Fuck, I don't nice. know. It's your story, baby. Yeah, you know, <laughs> shit. I'm no math. You got a shit ton of chickens for Big John Wiener's yeah. chicken condo. Yeah, pretty much that's it. You know, I'm no mathematician here. 80, 20, you know, whatever. <laughs> so it's a lot of chickens. And uh, so, you know, my we moved out, took over mom and dad's property. We move out here and, uh, you know, the chicken condo is still in the back. But, uh, you know, after the we got rid of the chickens, eventually dad turned it into like a storage shed. And, you know, my daughter's been like, I really want ducks. You know, I'd like some ducks. And uh, everybody thinks that when Easter comes around that you can go down to Atwoods, you can go down to Tractor Supply and you can get your child one fucking duck. And let me tell you what, ducks are social fucking animals. You just can't have one Mm -hmm. duck. You got to have a flock of ducks. And uh, so I was doing my ducky research, and I thought, you know what, growing up as a kid, like, you know, dad went out of his way and made sure that I had chickens and, you know, kind (laughs) of. I had five or six or 80 chickens, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so, you know, Addie's expectations were that she was going to get, like, two ducks, and then I started doing the research, and I'm like, well, that's not really a flock, and uh, we have nine ducks now, and uh, we have uh, uh, six. Uh, six uh, blue uh, Swedish and then three black Swedish. And uh, now I've built a duck condo in the backyard, planted some butterfly bushes. Uh, I have a 250-gallon koi pond being shipped to the house so I can have a little duck sanctuary um, in the in the backyard. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I said, look, babe, here's the thing. Um, I got you all these ducks, and I've wasted too much money on this whole entire project. Like, good God, I did not budget this out <laughs> accordingly, like, went all <laughs> willy-nilly. I said, uh, I just, I want to be able to name one duck. And uh, she said, okay. And so we picked up the ducks uh, a week ago and uh, from the post office, and we opened up the box, and this little little blue Swedish hen shoved her head right out the box and went, wah, wah. And uh, has a, she had the most distinctive bill out of all the other ducks. So I said, right there, that's my quackers. And uh, quackers <laughs> and I have uh, you know, bonded and, and imprinted on one another. And I, my friend, am now the duck whisperer. You are the big duck daddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. Congrats to you. And, uh, you know, shout out. We just came off of Father's Day. And I just yeah. want to say, man, you're a, you're an absolute fantastic father from, Aww. you know, what I know. Thank and you. Uh, that's great, dude. I bet uh, Blake and Addie love those ducks. And I'm going to go on a limb and say, uh, you bought these ducks not only for the kids, but for you as well. Well, yeah, because I really want duck eggs. And uh, so. <laughs> All right. Oh man, you know quackers, you oh, blue yeah. prize winning quackers. I I I I bought a blue duck because I always wanted a duck to be blue. <laughs> so I painted the duck blue. <laughs>
Well, hell yeah, man. Um, when I was younger, when we moved here to, from Texas to Kansas, we lived in a little town called Latham, and I wanted chickens. And so my dad was like, all right, cool, that's fine, we'll get some chickens. And so we got chickens. And then, as I you know, it was towards the end of being four and almost five, the chickens laid eggs. My dad's like, hey, do you know where baby chickens come from? They come from chicken eggs. And, you know, we did the whole thing, like you said, we got the heating lamp and, you know, we raised some chicken eggs and hatched them. And we're just like, dog, baby chickens. And then the next cycle came through and dad brings in a batch of fresh chicken eggs. And we're like, dog, baby chickens. And <laughs> this happened like three or four times. And my dad realized, oh, man, like I can't keep doing this shit because these chickens are like gremlins. Yeah. They right. just keep multiplying. And uh, I'm also not eating any of the fresh, you know, chicken eggs like I thought I would be able to. So, yeah, kind of backfired. And we ended up having a whole boatload of chickens there for a while. But. So ducks uh, will lay eggs like the whole co- course of their life. And these fuckers live like 12 years and they'll, mm-hmm. they'll average about like 180 to 300 eggs per year, just depending on the duck. And Yeesh. chickens aren't quite the same. Like chickens will lay eggs for about like two to three years. And then like once, mm-hmm. once the chickens pass its prime, they don't lay eggs anymore. So we had these fuck ton of chickens and they stopped laying eggs. And dad's like, um, yeah, what are we going to do with these chickens now? And so he, you know, put an ad in the newspaper and uh, this uh, Hispanic fellow out of El Dorado called up and was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll I'll buy like 80 percent of them. Dad's like, I just told you they're not laying eggs anymore. Like they're past their prime. He's like, oh, no, they'll be good. You know, they'll clean up my yard and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, he took a big chunk of them and we had about like 15 left. So my grandmother, who's like this old German lady, like. Just fucking like old school, um, you know, she used to make like goulash. Her idea of goulash was all the leftovers in the refrigerator plus Kraft mac and cheese. Like she didn't, you know, poor people, <laughs> right. poor people right. have poor ways. So she was it's like, like are there hot dogs and toast in this? Goulash? Yeah. Like what the fuck's going on? And she's like, well, it's about time you learn how to clean a chicken. I'm like, grandma, oh, no, these were my pets. And she's like, nope, not anymore. So we did it the old fashioned <laughs> way. And she's like, let me tell you what. You don't need an axe. You don't need a cleaver. Just go take this uh, chicken, lay it on the ground, put a broomstick over its le- or over its neck, put all your weight on it, and pull up. And I said, "Holy shit!" I said, "Grandma, I don't think I could do this." And she's like, "Don't be like your father. Your father was the exact same way when he was a child. God damn it! Just go, go kill the chicken because I want to make dinner." So we're out <laughs> in the backyard, and I'm like, "Grandma, this is like." She's like, "Stop it! Just do it." So I, I did it. I pulled up, and I didn't quite get it at first. She's like, God, stop being a baby and pull harder. So I ended up rip, you know, ripping the chicken's head off. And then um, oh my God. Uh, you really have— Trigger ha- warning, folks. Yeah, you really have <laughs> to hold on to those fuckers because let me tell you what. If you ever kill a chicken and it's chopping its head off, that thing will fucking flap around, squirt blood everywhere. And I didn't, I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize this. So I instantly like freaked out, like you know, Ash vs. Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. I just got sprayed with you know demon blood. <laughs> I let go of it, right, right, and right. it's flopping all over the ground, spraying, spraying blood all over her, all over me, all over Dad. And she just kind of scowled at him. Well, he is your son. I was like, damn, Grandma, that's uh, that's harsh. But uh, then uh, she made me clean them and pluck them. And uh, that day, folks, I learned how to properly pluck and clean and serve chicken. <laughs> so you're telling me the man who killed Bigfoot could not clean a chicken? Uh, no, he could. He's just when he was younger, he had a conscience just like me, and you know he ah, he felt okay. he felt guilty about it. Now, fast forward. Here's the Vietnam War story. 
um, dad, when he was in boot camp, he, they had a drill sergeant that said that uh, to be effective in combat, you had to be able to basically, you know, pluck a chicken's head off with your bare hands. And uh, so there was this private and dad squad that like was basically just like wringing this chicken's neck, like fucking Stretch Armstrong, and it's ah, ah squawking. So dad went over there, grabbed a broomstick, plucked his head off, and called the kid a pussy. And uh, that's uh, Dad's Vietnam chicken story. Well, holy shit, man. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> you brought it all the way around. But the ducks, we're not we're not having any Evil Dead horror story ducks in the backyard. They're strictly for cuddling Good, yeah. and laying eggs. Hey, that's fair, dude. That's yeah. cool. Well, good for you guys, man. I'm excited to see how they uh, how they grow and what colors, you know, what they look like when they finally uh, mature. Yeah. Hell yeah. I had an opposite, like a reverse story of yours. You know, you went to school and you brought home all the, um, you said chickens, right? Or ducks? Yeah. No, chickens. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So I had a habit of catching snakes and turtles and stuff in my yard uh, in El Dorado and then taking them for show and tell. And so every time I'd catch a snake over the weekend, the teacher's like, all right, guys, it's show and tell. So bring something to class on Tuesday. So I'd be like, shit, yeah, it's got like a, you know, three or four garter snakes or like a brand new box turtle. So I'm going to bring those. And I had the weirdest habit of bringing those things and then somehow them getting loose into the school. Oh, so twice I lost two box turtles in the classroom. Um, They were found. And then uh, at least twice, I lost a couple snakes in the school, one of which was never found. <laughs> so who knows? Old Jefferson Elementary could be haunted by, you know, a, a basilisk yeah. going through the hallways like Harry Potter. Well, let's jump into our first story, Presto, inspired by your newfound uh, farm of ducks. Wah, wah. The world's first bionic vulture has been created. A wild vulture recently had surgery in Vienna to implant a bionic leg. While still nesting, Mia, the bird in question here, suffered a major injury to her right leg because her parents were using sheep wool to keep their nest together. Well, the baby vulture's ankle got snagged and unfortunately it got st- the, the foot got strangled and the oxygen was cut off, thus causing this vulture to lose its foot at a very young age. Fortunately for Mia, a team of veterinarians had found the bird and treated her injury. Unfortunately, because of the oxygen starvation to the foot, they had to amputate the rest of the leg, thus leaving poor Mia the vulture with just a stump. Now, for a bearded vulture, lacking a foot is basically a death sentence because the bird will not be able to feed itself, let alone land, after flying. This bird's got like an eight and a half foot wingspan you know, two and a half meters wide. They're rare birds, almost, almost completely uh, endangered. Well, the vultures need a strong leg to lift up their body weight to seize prey. So what these veterinarians did was kind of like when you implant a new leg or a new knee on a human being or a new hip. They took a prosthetic limb that had a screw tip and implanted it inside the leg bone of the vulture. And thus, over time, the bone, just like human bones, threaded itself around the screw tip, and this implant pretty much became permanent. Now, a a detachable prosthetic wouldn't be durable enough to withstand the daily punishment that, you know, a raptor of prey would put it through. 
So what they did is basically put a shock absorbent doorstop style prosthetic on the bottom of its implant. So basically when this thing lands, this little, you know, rubber cylinder will support the body weight, support the shock as it lands, and then also allow it a little bit of elasticity to then push itself off the ground. The team described the procedure in a study that was published in the June 11th scientific report. The surgery required anesthetizing Mia for more than two hours, but it was a success. The bird made the first attempt to walk after three weeks, and the prosthesis was under full load after six. Today, the bearded vulture can once again land and walk using both feet, making this the first bionic bird in history. Thanks to just a little bit of titanium and a little bit of rubber and some sheer ingenuity from some A-class veterinarians. Wow. Yeah. So, Preston, just like this bird of prey, feeding yourself is very important. So I've got a hard-hitting question for you that you were not prepared for. Uh Uh-oh. Speaking of feeding yourself, what is your favorite cookie? Uh... The white chocolate macadamia nut cookies from anywhere. I haven't had one that's bad. <laughs> okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, have you had the ones from Subway before? Oh, dude, those are fucking soft and chewy. Oh, uh, and they have the perfect amount of white chocolate in them. Like, a motherfucker can get fat off of those. <laughs> and a motherfucker Well, has. we're not here to talk about Subway. <laughs> <laughs> we're not here to talk about Subway just yet. Put that in your back pocket. Okay. I want to talk about cookies. Oreo has a brand new UFO themed cookie pack that extends an olive branch welcome to extraterrestrials. At the end of June 2021, presto, our eyes are peeled just like the rest of the world because the DOD, Department of Defense here in the U.S., is supposed to be delivering its first ever unclassified set of reports into the investigations they've done on UFOs and UAPs. Now, clearly, this has been on the forefront of our minds, but also, presto, Nabisco has been paying plenty of attention. Because Oreo is sending up a peace sign to unify extraterrestrials and earthlings alike with their brand new cookie package. The cookies, which have been dubbed UFOreos don't feature a new flavor like we had hoped. However, they offer a very interesting, uniquely designed package. The the black and blue packaging is a special package that encourages you to help creatures of all planets feel welcome as they visit Earth. You take the package, you place a cookie in the center, and put it in the view of the night sky. And on both sides of your cookie, it will say the offering with a really cool kind of uh, geometric almost you know alien crop circle style design and you stick that in your yard and if the aliens don't get a hold of it of course you know the ants will but anyway oreo tongue-in-cheek here um are making a very interesting offering to extraterrestrial life as we know it. Whether you are a UFO believer or not, it is undeniable that a special connection forms over Earth's number one cookie and a glass of milk. You know, speaking of Earth's uh, number one cookie, my uh, daughter has gotten into conspiracy theories 
and then looking up strange shit on YouTube. <laughs> so she texted yeah. she texted me the other day. She's like, Hey, I watched this YouTuber called Food Theory, and it turns out that the cream in Oreos is actually pig fat. Well, pig fat yes. mixed with other things. So then, you know, I try to you know, school her on uh, you know, that uh, the red food coloring and a lot of foods is actually crushed up Japanese beetle and then uh, the mm-hmm. makeup you know, rouge. Uh, back in the day, was made with uh, you know bat poop, and yep, bueno. and then she followed up with Oreo is also a knockoff of the brand Hydrox, the original cream filled chocolate cookie. The owner of Oreos and Hydrox were both brothers. Hmm. Oh no, shit, really? Yeah. Huh. I've i always heard that it was a knockoff of Hydrox, and then I heard that Hydrox is a knockoff of Oreo, and I've never known which one to believe. And Cheetos were never meant to exist. Cheetos were used uh, for cow food, but the machine they use uh, for cow food would get clogged if the user uh, if uh, it was used for a certain amount of time. They would fill it with hot liquid and push the clog out, and they would uh, it would automatically get cooked and uh, come out as a long like stick. Cheetos would never have been a thing if Edward Wilson decided to take the clog sick leftovers to his house, fry it, put cheese on it, salt it, and ate it. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, you need. Oh, that's rad. You need to stay off YouTube, kid. And then I got about twenty. Huh. I got about twenty other things. Just boom, 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 boom. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I saw the picture that Jeffrey put on Facebook about. You guys want to hear a conspiracy? And she had on her uh, aviator sunglasses. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, man. I know the story behind Doritos is pretty unique as well. I want to say, and you guys should all Google this because I don't have the details because I didn't think we were going to talk about fattening snacks, but um, the Dorito, I believe, came about on Disney, mm-hmm. in Disneyland. Yeah. There was a lady who was frying up little bits of tortilla and seasoning it, and then basically Doritos got a hold of the recipe one way or another, and the modern-day Dorito was uh, was founded on, on Disney. Mm-hmm. Yep. Interesting. Well, let's keep talking about food, Preston, shall we? But not junk food. Let's talk about health food. And I want you to reach in your back pocket and pull out that Subway card. Uh-huh, yeah. Because DNA test fails to show any actual tuna fish in Subway's tuna fish sandwiches. That's right, folks. After a lawsuit claimed that the gigantic sandwich megalith known as Subway was lying about using real tuna in its food reporter from the New York Times decided to investigate this claim. After buying up several Subway sandwiches from a few different Subway locations and freezing the mystery meat found in the tuna fish sandwich and sending it off to the lab, the New York Times investigation found that there was absolutely no trace of any actual DNA from the tuna species found in the tuna fish salad sandwiches. A surprise finding that could show nefarious sourcing by the fast food chain sandwich giant. Subway has understandably insisted that the New York Times is wrong, and they do in fact serve tuna in their tuna fish. Of course, there's plenty of reason to deem the DNA test inconclusive, though, Preston, because when you take a fish and you start scraping away the meat, the farther away from the bone you get, the more that supposedly the DNA changes, and the farther away from the true genetic DNA code the meat becomes. So, through all the various cooking and mixing with mayonnaise and pickle and all that other good stuff, 
that the fish goes through, the farther away from the DNA chain the actual DNA could become. Not saying that it actually changes the DNA, but because of the way they process it and probably clean it and mass produce it, it becomes harder and harder to actually recognize as true tuna fish DNA. So whatever it is, it may not actually be tuna after all. It's probably just like fucking cod or some other fish and they just put like, you know, some fake flavoring <laughs> on it. So, cause... Yeah, like fake crab. Yeah. Ah, uh, what a bummer. I mean, it's, fit, it's fish, it's just not tuna fish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, let's finish off the series of stories on this episode in the water, shall we? We jumped in headfirst after tuna and we're going to stick around for a while. In the next story, the headline from Fox News <clears throat> says, Emergency crew rescues sex doll after mistaking it for a drowning woman. Wah, wah. A team of emergency rescuers rushed to a waterway in Japan after reports of a nude woman drowning were made by several different witnesses. Now, the whole thing was chronicled by a, on Twitter via a YouTuber named Natsuki Tanaka, who had initially been filming a fishing video when she looked over and saw what she thought was the dead body of a nude woman floating across the water. So she did like anybody else would do, and she called the authorities. The YouTube influencer, who has over 272,000 subscribers, Preston, that's only 271 <laughs> thousand more than we have added that somebody else also had mistakenly made a phone call claiming that somebody else was drowning so it wasn't just her fault but anyway an army of rescuing of emergency rescuers showed up to fish out who they thought was a person in peril indeed accompanying photos will show that we'll put on our instagram multiple fire and rescue brigades showed up police ambulances and other rescue workers to dredge out the body of the woman in front of several onlookers, only to discover it was just an adult-sized, quote-unquote, adult toy that had been floating in the water. It's unclear how the blow-up doll ended up in the water. Perhaps a devoted doll lover may have become fed up and tossed the silicone soulmate into the water in attempts to get rid of it. However, another Twitter user also documented the bizarre rescue chalking up the incident to an illegal dumping of oversized trash, which is unsurprising given Japan's stringent laws concerning garbage disposal. Thankfully, one Japanese company has devised a more tasteful, eco-friendly way to put away one's inflatable (laughs) paramour to pasture uh, by throwing them in a funeral complete with candles, undertakers, and even mourning mannequins. Wow, I did not read the end of that article. I did not know you could throw your sex doll into a funeral. Holy crap. Oh. We'll have to touch more on that later. Yeah. <laughs> I had never thought, uh, thought about that, never heard of this, but yeah. Uh, the video, uh, we could probably find the photos I will put up, of course, on the Instagram account. Press it. I'm going to forward this picture to you here because you don't actually don't have access to these stories because I am the gatekeeper and the key master in this episode. But let me send this picture over to you here real quick. And you tell me what you think. Gross. So you're making love to yourself? What? <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm the, I'm the key master gatekeeper. 
I, there's no way that you could get that confused with a real body. I mean, that's got rubber written on. Plus, the head is fucking backwards. Like, it looks like it's a... Maybe she broke her neck? Fancy pants scientist, man. Yeah, this is not the fucking exorcist. Okay. <laughs> what if it was a murder? What if somebody just twisted her neck around and dumped her in the river? Okay, but again, she she has uh, sex doll proportions and not human proportions. Well, all I'm saying is from a distance, it would not be hard to confuse a body floating in the water as a body floating in the water. <sighs> but that's all right, Preston. I'm going to kick it up a notch for you because our next story may have you staying out of the water this summer instead of jumping in your local lake or fishery. We're going to go to Yahoo News next, where a lobster diver survived after being swallowed alive by a humpback whale in an extremely rare encounter. Michael Packard says he was out diving for lobsters, as he oftentimes did, off of Herring Cove Beach in Provincetown, Massachusetts, when he suddenly found himself inside a whale of a predicament. First, he thought he was just, you know, searching for some lobsters. Then all of a sudden, he felt a strange bump from behind. Then some extreme pressure followed by darkness. He says, all of a sudden, I felt this huge shove. And the next thing I knew, things got completely black, said Packard, a long-time long lobster diver. I could sense I was moving, and I could feel the whale squeezing the muscles in his mouth beginning to suffocate me. He told the newspaper Cape Cod Times later he realized he'd been swallowed after first thinking he was inside a great white shark because he has lost several friends in the area to great white shark attacks. But then he noticed he didn't have any apparent wounds on his body. He estimated he was inside the whale for about 30 to 40 seconds. After realizing that he was in peril, he quickly thought to take off his oxygen tank and begin banging around left and right and up and down like some kind of Pinocchio scene. And after a while, he must have agitated the great whale because then the whale began shaking his head back and forth and back and forth, finally surfacing to which his friend saw him then be regurgitated out of the whale's mouth into the water. Packard said he was thinking, there's no way I'm getting out of this. I'm done. I'm dead. All of this, as well as thinking of his family. Then all of a sudden, the whale went up to the surface and just erupted, shaking his head around and then throwing up Packard, who landed into the water. He said, suddenly, I just kind of came to realizing I was outside of the whale. I was free. And I just floated there. I couldn't believe I'm still here to tell the story. I can't believe I'm still here to tell the story. Packard's crewmen saw the whale surface and spit him out, and they were able to pull him out of the water, thus Packard surviving the incident with only a few bruises and a couple scrapes. Juke Robbins, director of Humpback Whale Studies at the Center of Coastal Studies, told Cape Cod Times the incident was probably an accident for the whale. The humpback whale is not necessarily an aggressive animal, and they do not typically eat humans. Typically, they try to eat krill, which are shrimp-like crustaceans and small fish, according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. 
Robin said that she guessed the whale may have just been eating sand lace, a small fish, and mistakenly scooped up Packard amongst a mouthful of the tiny fish because their vision becomes obstructed as they open their mouth and dive for schools of fish, thus accidentally swallowing Packard in the meantime. So I don't know, man. It's a real, uh, it's a real biblical tale, I guess. Pinocchio yeah. and the Bible, two of the greatest stories ever told, I guess. Yeah. Both got uh, Jonas and Pinocchio got swallowed by a whale. Now this man, guy, look Re- at that. Yeah. Now this guy, add add Packard to it, man. It's yeah. a trifecta of <laughs> the trumpets. The trumpets are blowing, dude. <laughs> it's the end times, man. Man, oh man. Speaking of the end times, Preston, the surprise story I found as I was walking my dog moments before we recorded tonight's episode. Hey, I got a surprise story for you, too. Oh, hell yeah. Well, you want to go or you want me to? Um, No, I'll go last. Okay, cool. Preston, I'm going to put an end once and for all to one of the greatest stories ever told and greatest mysteries never solved. How would you feel if I was about to tell you, also, all of you, dear listeners... That once and for all, we have discovered the true mystery behind the Loch Ness monster. Uh, I think we disca- I discussed this a uh, couple of, uh, when we were doing uh, the nicotine demon story. Um, if you're mm-hmm, going to tell mm-hmm, me mm-hmm. it's a, a aquatic sea turtle without a shell, um, I already know. No. No, I want you to take that and throw it out the window, baby, because we're not slowing down in this story. We're about to put our pedal down. We're going to hit 90 miles an hour, and I'm about to blow your mind, Preston. Uh-huh. So hold on. Listeners, please buckle up. Let me take a uh, a sip of this Excelsior Imperial ap- Apple Cider real quick. Oh, keen. That sounds delicious. Okay, I'm ready. All right, the Loch Ness Monster sightings may not be the Loch Ness Monster at all, Preston, but instead could be mistaking photos of whale penises sticking out of the water. Experts believe the long neck or tail of the mythical creature known as the Loch Ness Monster may actually be nothing more than a whale's willy sticking out of the picture, popping up in years and decades of photographs. Dozens of explanations have been made for the supposed sightings of the sea serpent, like the one at Loch Ness in Scotland. A study by a team of researchers published in a paper in the Archives of Natural History claim that Nessie's neck is nothing more than a whale penis. The study speculates that many accounts of the large, mysterious sea creature with a long neck and a serpent-like tail were actually the large baleen whale's snake-like penis popping up out of the water as the whale surfaced for a quick breath. They add that other accounts could be attributed to the male members of certain whale species, which can be at least 1.8 meters long and are sometimes spotted raising out of the water during mating season. Oh. <laughs> Just a whale. Hey, take a look at this. Yeah, I like uh, the idea that, uh, you know, the, the baleen whale, he rolls over on his back and sticks his dick out of the water like, come on, baby, blow. And then human beings are like, oh, my God, it's the Loch Ness Monster. It's the Loch Ness Monster. And it's just a big old well willy. <laughs> oh, man. So Alistair Crowley the whole time doing his weird demonic sex magic just summoned a giant whale boner. Yeah. Oh, I like that. He's like, uh, God damn it, I messed up the cantation again. I just keep getting erect whale penises, and I wanted a demon <laughs> yeah. serpent. God. 
What's that last word? I can't tell if it says monster or penis. Oh, well. Just yeah. like on uh, Army of Darkness. <laughs> uh, you said the words, right? Yeah, mostly. Yeah. I did. I said them. <laughs> right. Uh, the theory now focuses on the famous black and white photographs of Nessie reportedly taken by Surgeon Robert Kenneth Wilson back in the 1930s. The image is then compared to another photo taken of a similarly shaped whale penis raising out of the water. And the bizarre theory has prompted the fact-checking website Snopes.com to investigate in a bid to clear things up. Now, this is really funny to me because you're asking Snopes <laughs> to basically tell you, no, it's not a whale penis. It is the Loch Ness Monster. Uh, that could be my favorite Snopes story of all time. Well, we we did uh, we did the research and we deep dive into it, and it is in fact a whale penis mystery solved. <laughs> the team at Snopes said the most famous photo of the Loch Ness monster, dubbed the Surgeon's Photograph, was a hoax that was created with a toy boat and some putty. While the famous pictures of the Loch Ness monster, Loch Ness monster, Loch Ness monster, cripes. Uh, certainly wasn't a case of mistaken whale penis's identity, and while the whale penis sightings probably can't explain every sea serpent sighting throughout history, it is plausible, says Snopes, that some of these quote-unquote sea serpents were attached to the bottom of a whale. Oh. Sad trombone. Well, Presto, that's all I got, man. What do you got? Put, a, put an exclamation point at the end of this episode for us. God, what is a uh, Forrest Finn? Did we ever talk about Forrest Finn? Oh no, that's funny you brought that up. Um, Mindy actually wrote in and sent us a couple sites to look up Finn's treasure, and I've been wanting to put a story together for a while to talk about that. And I have seen the Finn treasure hit a lot of headlines recently, so maybe we ought to jump on that before the summer's over. Oh, we sh we should because it's a wild ride, and I I could have swore at one time we did cover it like briefly. And mm -hmm. um, Forrest died, unfortunately, in uh, September. And uh, if that's something we're going to cover, then, uh, you know, I, I should probably end end it here and just say, hey, Sean, he's, he's dead. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, OK, uh, no, I, I, uh, I came across uh, an article about that and uh, read it. Uh, there was a guy that um, he he ended up being kind of like a gambler with an, a uh -huh. gambling addiction and a lot of people that were searching for the treasure um, almost um, became cult-like. Like they would have this festival of the Finn um, in New Mexico and they had like this Captain America statue that uh, they mm -hmm. covered in gold and then um, right on the chest they put like a big F and like people would go and make like offerings to the Finn statue in hopes that they would <laughs> find the treasure. And, uh -huh. um, it's just, it's a wild ride. And so as I was reading this huh. article, I'm like, God, did I, I could have swore we briefly like talked about it. And then like the story comes to an end and I'm like, Oh my God, I, I got to talk to Shawnee boy about this. Cause, uh, this is fucking, huh. this is fucking crazy. Yeah. You know what? Why don't I stave that alien abduction story for the episode after next you think we got enough time between now and next week to uh, do a little research on that story? Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. All right. Well, you did it, buddy. Folks, next episode, <laughs> The Finn Treasure. Mindy, you may want to put on two seatbelts for this ride. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm sure you probably already know all about it, but... Uh... 
Cool. Well, hell yeah, man. I'm excited. I've got three or four websites open in my tabs already. So uh, we'll get on it. I'll let Steve know. And uh, let's see what we can cook up for you guys on the old Finn treasure. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Cool. Well, that was a lot of fun. A uh, little shorter episode because we're easing back into things. But um, this is episode 196, which means we have four more episodes. Well, technically three after today before our 200th episode in July. So what we'd like to do is send you a formal invitation, folks. Please send us PMs, DMs, emails, text messages, whatever you would like. You can call us on our voicemail Please reach out because we need your stories. We want to have another listener story blowout for episode 200. So if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, I believe you can leave up to a three-minute long voicemail on our Google voicemail, 913-662-3144. We want to do it. We want to drop a giant listener story package in all of your laughs. So if you would, please send us some stories. Ghosts, goblins, uh, mistaken monsters. Maybe you thought you took a picture of a lawn gnome and it was just a bull penis. Who knows? That's not for us to judge. But we want to hear about it, guys. Buddy, the Loch Ness Monster really is a messy Nessie, if you know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. It comes around full circle. Awesome. (laughs) I love it. Oh, God. Good stuff. All right. Well, let's get out of here. On uh, behalf of Steve, normally he plugs this stuff. Check out our Instagram, guys, PXL Paranormal on Instagram. Um, we are up to 400 followers. My goal was 400 before the end of the year. So screw it. Let's hit 500, folks. Help us get there. We got another five-star review on the old iTunes. They did not leave an actual review, but did give us a five-star rating. So thank you, whoever you were, for that. That was awfully generous of you. That puts us at a solid 4.9 on the old iTunesers. We got to all five stars except for one. Someone didn't like the flavor that we put in the coffee, apparently. And that's fine. Yeah. Guys, if you could, please leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to know what you think. We, of course, love five-star reviews because it helps us get to the top of the lists and makes us more, uh, you know, uh, noticeable. But, yeah, give us a review, please. And, and let us know what you think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we finally reached 100 subscribers on uh, YouTube. So, uh, shout yeah. out, shout out to, uh, Corky, uh, for making that happen. Uh, oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, texted me and, uh, said, uh, good stuff. Always love the cryptid stories and your wonton mispronunciation makes me laugh every time. <laughs> and, uh, he was digging the exorcism episodes, especially the last one with the translation and dramatization was cool as hell. So thanks, Corks. I mean, maybe you got a sticker coming your way. Maybe you got a coaster coming your way. Maybe you got a T-shirt Ooh, yeah. coming your way. Or maybe you're going to come out with a big fat zero and we love you just the same. So <laughs> You really build them up before you tear them down, don't you? Oh, yeah. That's what I do, baby. That's what I do. But we love you. We love uh, you. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if uh, all you guys saw that, but on the old Instagram, I reposted. I didn't realize I posted this picture already. But um, Isaac, our buddy Isaac from 20th Street Photography, um, he did some photos for us last month, and we had a really good time doing some photo shoot with him. Oh, boy, did we. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh man, yeah. Some photos, I don't know. I mean, you want to share some of those? Some of our hunky boy photos? Um, yeah, there's one or two that I'll send you that uh, safe to share. Don't feel pressure, but I tell you what, if you do it all, I'll do it. <laughs> uh, there's one that I'll, I'll send. Uh, that's uh, oh boy, the sun shining behind me, and there's a mist in the air. Oh. I think that one's. I think that one's safe. <laughs> okay, sounds good. But uh, yeah, I, I posted the picture for a second time uh, mistakenly. I thought I posted a different photo the first time. But anyway, some of you folks saw a little Easter egg in that photo. That's right, folks. We got some T-shirts. We got our proofs back. They're looking good. They're feeling good. So we're going to have those up for a pre-order very soon. And uh, yeah, some folks called that out, like our buddy Christopher Bartell. I got to get one of those T-shirts still. Yes, sir, you do, and we'll have those up, like I said, for pre-order pretty darn quick. And, of course, we've had some other listeners and other um, posts make comments about T-shirts. Yeah, they're here. We got some proofs. They look good. So um, I think I just banged my elbow on my desk. We'll get that going, guys. Uh, check us out on Facebook, the Pixelated Paranormal Podcast. We have a Twitter. We never use it, but we do have a YouTube, like you just mentioned, Preston. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, help push us up to 200 followers. Yeah. That would be awesome. And then I want to plug our good buddy, Corey. Corey's got a YouTube channel now called Pixelated Plays, where he does a lot of video game playthroughs. Um, He does a lot of streaming. It's a lot of fun. Um, Corey's, of course, a a very good friend of ours, and he plays a lot of different games. He also does live streaming during Twitch. So, uh, yeah, check him out, Pixelated Plays on YouTube. And as always, if you need a beard... If you want a beard, if you want to grow a beard that won't be mistaken for a whale penis, then go over to BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order and get yourself some succulent scents like Dundee Cedar Bay Rum, sweet uh, tobacco, fresh, citrus, mint, and classic. Hell yeah, that sounds awesome. (laughs) <laughs> wasn't ready for that one you got me <laughs> uh, and if you're in the Wichita area stop by Pawnee and Seneca check out CD Trade Post go in say hi to our really 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 dear friend uh, is that, does that work really dear friend check out <laughs> stop in and say hello to our dear dear friend Leslie and the rest of the gang at CD Trade Post say what's up pop in take a gander what they got for movies and vinyl and everything else alright that about does it guys on behalf of Steven Cheers to the weird shit in the world and to those of us that love to talk about it. And stay spooky and stay on the paranormal highway. The cast that Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.